John chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I give you, I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask for the Spirit to be active and moving in our lives this morning. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would lead me into truth. That your Spirit would exalt Jesus before my eyes and And enable me to exalt Jesus before these people and before my neighbors and before my family. Before those who you would bring me into contact with this week. Father, we we pray that we might walk in step with the Spirit. That we might walk side by side, uh, following your leadership, following your promptings. We pray for your, your empowering, God, that you might produce the character of Jesus in us. The fruit of the Spirit. In our lives. We want that. God teach us about that today. In Jesus name. Amen. You know one of the defining characteristics of God in the scriptures. Is that he is a giver. Now that it's really interesting to me. Because uh, like you look through scriptures. And that that's God. God is, is constantly continually from beginning to end. Just lavishing his goodness and his grace and his gifts upon mankind. And so it's really interesting to me that one of the predominant lies of the culture is that God's trying to take something from you. Uh, isn't that interesting? Like, like God is this incredible, generous giver. And yet when most people think of God, they, they almost brace themselves, you know, from the standpoint that God's, God's trying to get something. God, God is holding back some good. God's trying to, you know, keep you from something that you, that you want to do. It, it's really 
the original lie of the garden. I, that, that's still prevalent. I mean, people still look at God in terms of, ah, you know, I got to serve him. I got to give this to him. I got I to gotta do something for him. You know, he's trying to, he, I'm already wore out. Now here comes God wanting some more from me, which is just not the case. But from the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, remember the conversation between the serpent and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says, but the serpent said to the woman, you, you will not surely die. She, she's just told the serpent that if we eat of the tree of, the, uh, of, of which God has told us not to eat, we'll die. The serpent's like, you won't die. For God knows, this is a serpent talking about God, lying about God. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Did you hear that? Did you hear that subtle deception? that The serpent is saying, you know, man, you, you can't trust God. Like, he's holding back from you. He just doesn't want you to do this because if you do, then, then you'll be like him. You'll, you'll get something good. Okay? He, he's turning God into a taker and not a giver, which is absolutely ridiculous. Okay? James 1.17 tells the truth about God. It says that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. It all comes from God. God is the fountain of life. That's one of the things we've learned in the gospel of John is that Jesus is life. From Jesus flows this, this stream of, of, of life. And, and God gives good gifts. And one of his best gifts that God gives is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that's what John introduces here at this point in the gospel of John is this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of God's gifts are to everyone. Um, many of God, God's gifts are to every unbeliever, believer, uh, you, whether you love him or you're rebelling against him, God is still generous. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 45, I don't know if you remember the verse where he says, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's true, isn't it? Like everybody gets sunshine, you know? If you're, if you're cursing God today, lifting your fist to him, you know, crying out that he doesn't exist, which I, I think is always funny that why people would need to cry out that you don't exist if you don't exist. You know, but anyway, if, if that's you today, hey, good news. God's going to shine his sun on you today. Like you, you'll still get oxygen. You still get gravity. You, 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 still, you still get rain. You still get provision. God, God is a generous gift to everyone, okay? But the gift of the Holy Spirit is only for his children, only for those who are born again. Now, one of the things I want to I want to spotlight in this passage this morning is how John talks about people who are born again. Okay, so he could have just said uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit is only for those who are born again. It's only for those who have uh, repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. He could have said that, but instead of saying that, he, here's here's the way John likes to likes to talk about believers. Look at look at this over and over again. Verse fifteen: If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Okay. Go down to verse 21. Uh, verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Go down to verse 23. And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay, so one of, one of the beautiful ways that John describes a believer is someone who loves him and keeps his commandments. Like that, that's the way John is describing a believer. 
So, you know, we could, we could say, well, a believer is someone who's born again. A believer is someone who, who is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. A believer is someone uh, who has repented and, and, and put their trust in Christ, who's asked Jesus in their heart. That's the way a lot of people describe a believer. But John describes a believer as, as somebody who loves him and keeps his commandments. All right, now how does that work, first of all? Let, let's make sure we get this right. Well, first of all, what John is not saying is that if you want to become a Christian, then go out and do a bunch of things for God. Okay, he's not saying that because that doesn't work. Uh, Romans 3.20 says, no, by, by, by the works of the flesh, no flesh will, will be just, no human being will be justified in the sight. Okay, so nobody can be saved by, by, okay, give me five things to do. You know, give me 10 chores. Give me, give me, give me 20 good works and, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be saved. No, nobody can be saved that way. Right? It doesn't work that way, okay? So, so how does it work? Well, let's, let's get everything straight in a line, okay? I, I like to think that way. John does not think that way. John kind of thinks circular. Have you noticed that? Uh, John reasons like this way, okay? Uh, he he, he kind of goes around and around. Okay, but if, but if, we, if we pay attention, we kind of get it in line. Okay, so first of all, who loved who first? <clears throat> Did we love God first? And then God, no, no, that's, that's not the way it works, right? No, God loved us first, okay? So in 1 John, same writer, uh, but this is a letter. 1 John 4, 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love, okay? So, so God, God first loved us, all right? God loved us first. And, and, and in loving us, once we see his love, in being loved by Jesus, being loved by God, we come to love God, okay? That, that's the way it works. So your eyes are open to, to the work of God on your behalf, for how God has sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you, how, how he, has, he has redeemed you, how he's paid the price, how he's willing to give you his righteous life, how he's rose from the dead, how you can be connected to him. Your eyes are open to, what do we call that? The gospel, right? And you see the love of God. You see the gracious generosity of God. He loves you first, okay? And then what, do you, what happens then? As you see that, as you, as, you, as you believe that, what happens? You love him, Right? Once you believe the gospel, once you believe that this is how God feels about me, this is what God did for me, this is how God reached out to me, okay? So God loves us, we see his love, we're, we're overwhelmed by his love, we believe, and then what happens next? We begin to trust and follow him, all right? We, we begin to obey him. That's the way that sequence works, all right? Now, you can't take out any of those things, okay? So nobody ever comes to trust Jesus without believing the love of God first, Okay? Nobody's ever like, well, I think God's kind of mean and nasty. I don't think he cares much about me, but I'm going to go ahead and trust him anyway. Okay? That doesn't happen, right? No, that, that never happens. No. Okay? Right? The, the first comes the love of God for us on our behalf, like for us. Okay? And then we see the love of God, and then we believe the love of God, and, and we put our trust in him. And then what's next? We obey his commands, right? Because if you're truly convinced that God loves you, if you're truly convinced that he's for you, if you're truly convinced in the beauty of the gospel that Jesus is infinitely lovely, that there's nothing in him not to love, not to trust, what, what happens? You, you begin to obey him, right? You, you trust the one that you know loves you, right? When you are convinced that somebody loves you, you trust them. When you think somebody's got it out for you, you don't trust them, right? And, and so we see the love of God, we believe the love of God, we, we put our trust in him, and the natural outflow of that 
is that we obey his commands. We follow him. We listen to him. We trust him. We want to, okay? Now, for those people, okay, that's John's definition of a, of a Christian, okay? For those people, God gives the Holy Spirit, all right? Remember, Jesus is leaving. We talked about that last week. Uh, he's told them in John 13, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. Uh, I'm leaving. You can't come. You know, one of you is going to deny. One of you is going to betray me. Uh, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. That shakes them all up. And now 14, he comes back to this. I'm leaving. You can't come. But I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. We know what an orphan is, right? An orphan is, is a child who's been left alone. They, they've been left without care. They've been left without protection. They've been left without, without provision, okay, without somebody who's for them, somebody who's advocating on their behalf, without a mama or a daddy. That's what an orphan is. And Jesus says in verse 18, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, okay? Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead and say, well, okay, there you go. You know, y'all get it if you can, all right? That, that is not the way it happened. Uh, Jesus does not leave us orphans. We're not left alone. Okay, He has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to, and this is a little summary, okay? He's going to teach us more and more about the love of God for us and about the glory of Jesus. And the more the Spirit reveals, the more you're going to love Jesus. And the more you love Jesus, the more you're going to trust Jesus. And the more you trust Jesus, the more you're going to obey Jesus. Okay, it just It has to happen that way. All right? You, you, you see his love, you trust him, you obey him. That, 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 that's the natural progression of the Christian life. So let's unpack this gift of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? Second of all, what does he do? That's really what we're going to try to cover today. And we're not going to cover it exhaustively. We're just going to kind of stick close to the gospel of John, as close as we can, but, but try to give a, a well-rounded view of who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Who, what is this gift that he's given us? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Okay, So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in one Godhead. One God, three distinct persons. Now, when I say person, don't be messed up. Okay, Not human. Okay, Jesus is human. Okay, He wasn't always, but, but God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Put on human flesh. He became man. He became our representative, okay? But I'm not talking about person in the sense of, of human. I'm talking about person in the sense of not an impersonal force, okay? A lot of people describe the Holy Spirit uh, in an impersonal way, and that's wrong, okay? Uh, you have any Star Wars fans here? Logan's here. I know he's a Star Wars fan. My son, if he were here, he's a, he's a big one, okay? Um, if you've ever watched Star Wars, there's this, there's this force, right? And this force, you know, you, it, it, can, it can enable you to do great things, okay? But it's a force that you must master and use, okay? It's not an individual. It's just like this collective force out there that's in all things. And, 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 and if, if you learn and you go out and meditate in the jungle and, and, and with a little green guy, then you can learn how to harness it and, and, and you can learn how to master it. And, and then you can use it either for really good things or you can use it to choke people out when you're angry with them, okay? When you're frustrated with them. You can just, you know, just, I, I'm glad people can't do that today. I think I'd be dead. I think most of us would be dead, okay? Um, so it's good. But listen, that's not the Holy Spirit. Like, don't look at the Spirit that way. The, the Spirit is, is an individual, okay? He, he's, he, he's God. He is a member of the Trinity, 
Okay, according to the scriptures, um, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians, I believe. According to the, spirit, uh, the, the scriptures, you can quench the Holy Spirit. I believe that's in 1 Thessalonians. You can outrage. There's a, a verse in Hebrews that talks about, about people outraging the Spirit. Okay, you, 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 you can be filled by the Spirit. Okay, see, those are all personal terms, right? To grieve somebody, to outrage somebody. That, 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 you, you've got it, you're talking about a person, no, nobody ever, nobody ever walks out in the in the in the western Oklahoma wind, you know. Uh, goes out in it, walks around in it, comes back in, said, "Man, I really made the wind mad," you know. I really grieved the wind. Okay. Now the wind is a powerful force. Okay, but but it's not an individual, right? It, it's it's an impersonal. Just it's just wind. It's just blowing. Okay. The the spirit is, is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and as such, you can't use him. You can't harness him. There's this great contrast that Boyce uh, uses that I love for Acts eight and Acts or Acts eight and Acts thirteen. So in Acts eight, um, there's a guy named Simon who is exposed to the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, he's he's there when the Holy Spirit falls and uh, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And and you know what Simon does immediately? He he's a business guy. He's an entrepreneur. And in Acts uh, eight nineteen. He says to Peter, I kind of picture him getting Peter off to the side by himself. And he says to Peter, hey, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, do you see how Simon views the Holy Spirit? He, he views the Holy Spirit as this power to be marketed and used. He's like, man, I, I, got, I got to get that. I've got to, I want the power to be able to give that to whoever I lay my hands on. I want to be able to control and harness the Holy Spirit. Okay? Simon offered Peter money for that. He wants to market it, sell it. He wants to have the Spirit at his disposal. Well, that's ridiculous, first of all. And it's sin. All right? You can't buy or control the Spirit. The Spirit's got to control you. All right? You're not here today trying to control the Spirit, trying to tap into or harness the Spirit. You're here trying to be controlled by the Spirit. Okay, so contrast that in Acts 8. You got this guy that's trying to, trying to pay, for, pay somebody to give him the power to be able to control the Holy Spirit. Okay, in Acts 13, here's a great example of, of the Holy Spirit controlling people, okay? So there's a prayer meeting, and in Acts 13, too, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the wick work to which I've called them. Okay, now, do you see the difference there? Who's controlling that? It's the Holy Spirit who's control. He speaks to the church and says, hey, give me those two guys. Give me those two guys. Set them apart. I'm going to send them on my mission to do my work. And that, that's a lot different way of looking at the Holy Spirit. So, so we're aiming today not to control the Spirit, not to somehow like tap into this power. that we No, we want to be controlled by the Spirit, Okay. We want the Spirit to control us. So the Holy Spirit is, is, not, a, a, is not a gift to, to everybody. It's a gift only to those who are born again. Verse, verse 17 uh, says of this gift, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because the world's not interested in spiritual things. The world has rejected Jesus, so they cannot receive the Spirit. Okay, Because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. 
Uh, again, we don't have time to, to flesh out all these verses, but in Romans 8, uh, there, there's a, a verse that basically says, if, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't have Jesus. If you do have the Spirit, you do have Jesus. All right? So every born-again believer has the Spirit of God. It's not, it's not some kind of second blessing that comes upon really spiritual people who get all excited and, and worked up in a worship service. No, no, no. When, when you are born again, when you're joined to the resurrected Jesus Christ, when you are in union with Christ, that's what happens when you're born again, then you are indwelt with the Spirit of God. That, that's how you're made alive. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and makes you alive. Okay, so, so every born-again believer, it, it, it's God's gift to us, has the Spirit of God dwelling inside us forever, it says. Verse 17 says, forever with every believer. Okay, now, the Spirit is described as a helper, okay? Um, verse 16 is where that's at. I'm reading out of the ESV, and it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. All right, now, depending on what Bible you have, it could be all kinds of translations because this, this word is translated a bunch of different ways simply because it's too big of a word to put into English, okay? So some of, some of your Bibles may say advocate, it may say counselor, it may say comforter. That's kind of the way I grew up with it. I think that's the old King James is, is the comforter will come. Um, I think I've even seen encourager, strengthener, um, various translations like that. The word is actually parakletos, and it's literally one who is called alongside to render aid, okay? One who is called alongside to render aid. Um, I actually kind of like helper, I, I think, except that it has a little bit of a demeaning context uh, in, in, our, in our setting. Like a lot of times when we think of a helper, you know, you got, you got, the, you got the guy that knows about contracting or whatever, and then you got his helper, right? Um, and so that, that's not the picture, obviously. That's not the picture, right? Um, so that part is wrong. But, but from the standpoint of one who comes alongside and gives you what you need to be able to do this thing, that, that's a great picture of a helper. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I've told you this before, this probably will be my lifelong illustration for the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, but we were on a, uh, this is back in maybe like 2010, maybe, I don't know, quite a while ago. But we were on a 100-mile bike race. It was from Red River, New Mexico. Uh, you went through Taos. You went through uh, Eagle's Nest. You came back around to Red River. They call it the Enchanted Circle. It's about 100. It, it is 100 miles. And so we're on like mile 90 to 95, and you're climbing Bobcat Pass. If you've ever been to Red River, before you get to Red River, after you go through, past the lake, and then you go up Bobcat Pass, and then you go down into Red River. So we're climbing Bobcat Pass. We've already ridden 90 miles that day. And man, I'm just shot. Like I I just, I don't think I can make it. Like, I, I don't think I can do it. I'm just gonna, I'm about to just give up. And, and Dr. Kirkendall comes up and he comes alongside me, okay? Now, here, here's where this picture is so beautiful because literally the, the, the paraclete is the one who comes alongside. And so Doc actually rides up alongside me and what he begins to do is he begins to offer words of encouragement. Uh, words of comfort, you know, words of, of, hey, you can do this, hey, and even words of distraction. Like, he's just talking to me uh, just to keep me pedaling, right? And, and, and then every once in a while when we'd come across, you know, it kind of it winds up and down. We'd come across a really, you know, stiff corner or whatever. He'd reach out his hand on the back of my back and he would give me some assistance, all right? He would just give me a little bit of push. 
Uh, I do this for Asher all the time. But every, we ride our bikes up here to the church all the time, and there's a couple big hills. And, dude, he just he, he's a great bike rider, but little kids have heavy bikes, and their power-to-weight ratio is not quite right yet. And so I've just got to put my hand on his back, and I've, I've just got to give him a little nudge all the way up the hill. That's what Doc did for me. He came up alongside, spoke words of encouragement and strength, and then gave me enough of a nudge and then rode with me to enable me to get up that pass. That is a beautiful, accurate picture picture of the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's exactly, I think, what the word paraclete describes. It is, is this helper who comes alongside speaking words of truth and encouragement and empowerment to enable you to do what God's calling you to do. That's a picture of the Spirit of God. Okay. Now notice it says he's going to give you another helper. Do you see that in verse 16? And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now what does another imply? Well, it implies there's another one, right? All right, there's a first helper. Who, who's the first helper? Well, that, that's Jesus. Jesus is talking about himself, right? Jesus, now, now here's where the, the words, like if you translate this advocate, mediator, uh, counselor, okay, here's where those really make sense, all right? Because the Bible is very clear that Jesus is our advocate. He is our mediator. What, what does he do? He represents us, okay? It's kind of a picture of if you go to court and you have a lawyer, okay? That they, they call a lawyer an advocate, right? They, they, oftentimes they'll call him a mediator. What's that guy supposed to do if he's doing his job well? He's supposed to represent you, right? He goes with you. He represents you before the judge. He speaks on your behalf. He gives you counsel. He, he enables you, all right? That, that's the picture of, of, of a mediator, of an advocate. And Jesus Christ is the advocate. He is the mediator, all right? And so the Holy Spirit is another helper, okay? Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? So that, that's who this Holy Spirit is. Now, the second question, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, the, the Holy Spirit is, is fully God. And, and so really, we should think of God as a whole, all right? So in other words, in creation, is it just God the Father? You know, it seems like that when you read Genesis 1, right? That God, God is, is speaking the world into, into existence. Is it just Him? You know, and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're off somewhere else. That, that's, not the way, that's not the way it happened, right? In Colossians, it says that, that the world was created through Jesus Christ, all right? So in Genesis, God the Father is speaking, but yet Jesus Christ, Colossians 1 says, the world is created through Him. And, and when, you, when you read the Genesis account, it says it starts off by saying the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, right? And when He creates man, He says, let us create, let us create man in our image. So all the works of God are Trinitarian, okay? But it is true that in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that, that they have primary works, right? Like Jesus is the one who redeemed us, right? He's the one who shed his blood. He's the one who became man. He's the one who took on the incarnation, right? Um, the Spirit of God is the one who breathes life into believers to make them alive. He's the regenerator. So, so the Holy Spirit has these, these primary things that he does, but, but again, they're, they're all one God. It, 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 is, it is God, okay? So... What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, um, man, that's a huge question for many sermons. But for the sake of today, let, let's look at our text and try to unpack what the text says. So verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth, even the spirit of truth the moral cannot receive. Okay, so first of all, it describes the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. All right, so one of the things the Holy Spirit's going to do, he's going to lead you into truth. 
All right, and that's consistent throughout this passage. In verse 26, uh, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Okay, so he's going to lead you into truth. He's going to teach you all things. Let's go ahead and, and explore some more in the Gospel of John. In John 15, uh, 26 and 27, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what, what's he going to do? He's going he's gonna to testify about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is going to testify in your heart. He's going to reveal things about Jesus to you. And then, verse 27, and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is a cool concept, actually, about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit brags on Jesus to you so that you can brag on Jesus to others. All right? That, that's kind of the, the way that the, the system works. All right? Go into, go into John 16. All right? In John 16, verse 13. Uh, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Okay, so the spirit's going to speak to us uh, of the things of God and of the things to come. All right, look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right, now that... That, that point is an important one that deserves a little time, okay? So from all these verses, it's clear the Holy Spirit guides, reveals, illumines our minds to the truth about Jesus, all right? The Holy Spirit is going to guide you. He's going to reveal to you. He's going to open your mind, illuminate truth about Jesus. We know that the Holy Spirit, first of all, is the author of Scripture, okay? Second Peter tells us that. That, that we have our Bible through the Holy Spirit. So 2 Peter chapter um, 1, verse 20 and 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. All right, and so we, we have the Bible because of the Holy Spirit. So the, Holy, the, the Bible is the Spirit of God's breathing to us, His, His Word to us about Jesus, okay? So he's the author of Scripture, okay? But even more than that, okay, the Holy Spirit actually opens your mind up to Scripture. Why is it that for many of you, you sat in a pew for decades hearing the Word of God and it never moved your heart? You, you, never, you never were overcome by the love of God. You heard sermon after sermon about how you were destined for the wrath of God and the judgment of hell, and, 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 and you, were, you were condemned without Christ, and it did not move your heart. And then all of a sudden, one day, you heard the word of the gospel, and everything changed. Like it's, like it's like a world opened up to you. It's like your eyes were open and you saw the glory of Christ and you wanted him more than your next breath and you put your faith in him and you've been believing him ever since. What happened there? The Spirit of God illumined your mind to truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In their case, it's unbelievers. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. That's what's wrong with the world. That's why there's people who, who hear the gospel over and over again, and they're simply not interested. How can you not be interested in the creator of the world loving you and giving you life eternal? It's because your eyes are blinded. Right? That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the sinful state of all humanity. Okay, but then back up here. 
in, in verse 18 of chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, it says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of, uh, to the other. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, the Spirit is the one who takes that veil away to enable us to see the glory of the Lord. Um, I don't think these are up on the screen, but let, let me go ahead and read you back down in chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 5. For we proclaim... For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, God shines the light. He illumines. Um, the Spirit of God illumines uh, in our hearts to see and know the work of Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, this helps me a lot. I hope it'll help you. It helps me a lot. Know what I need and what do other people need, all right? So, so in other words, when I'm weary, uh, when I am, am troubled, right? We, we, we talked last week about a troubled heart. When I'm troubled, when, when somebody's got inside my heart and stirred it all up, okay? When, when I'm discouraged, when I'm tempted, when I'm tried, when I'm beat down, when I'm weary. What, it, what do I need? You see, I, again, I think a lot of times we're saying, Holy Spirit, would you come in and punish that person? Holy Spirit, would you come in and fix this circumstance? Holy Spirit, would you come in and make my life easy? Holy Spirit, would you come in and, and, and just get me out of this jam? Yeah, I think that's what we want. Okay, I, I don't think that's what we need. Okay, When we are weary, when we are troubled, when we are discouraged, when we are tried and tempted, the Holy Spirit is going to put the spotlight on the work of Jesus on my behalf. I think that's what the work of the Spirit is. I think that's not always what we're asking for. I think it's always what we need. I, I think what you need more than anything is for a spotlight to illuminate the work of Jesus on your behalf, for the Spirit to glorify Christ, for the Spirit to reveal the awesome, glorious nature of all that Christ has accomplished for you. Our problems are... Our problem is, just generically, we don't see that, right? The, the trouble of, of, of our current moment seems huge, and Jesus seems distant and far and small. Man, that's wrong. Like, that's our problem. Our problem isn't actually our circumstances. Our, our problem is we need to see the glory of Jesus, the work of Christ spotlighted on our behalf. That will be the greatest help to my soul. That's what I need. That's what fixes me on the inside. That's what gives me strength. That's what gives me encouragement. That's what enables me to press on. That's what empowers me to serve and give and love and sacrifice and have joy. That's, that's what actually brings joy in my heart is for the Spirit of God to illumine the work of Jesus on my behalf. And John says the, the more we come to love him, the more we come to trust him, the more the Holy Spirit illumines, the more we come to love him, the more we come to trust him, the more the Holy Spirit illumines, the more we come to love him, the more we come to trust him. Look at verse 21. That's really what that's saying. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and look at that last part, and manifest myself to him. Manifest means reveal. All right, and so it, that, that's the growth of the Christian life. 
is, is, is more and more. The Spirit of God puts the spotlight on Jesus, and you come to increasingly know more of his love, more of the work of, of Christ on your behalf, more of the riches of glory, more of your inheritance, more of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You, you begin to become love. You see more and more. And the more that you see, the more you trust. And the more you trust, the more you obey. Okay? Now, at the same time, okay, that's the primary work of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is also going to put a spotlight on something else. Okay? And that is your sin. Okay? He's going to expose your sin to bring you. uh, There's a purpose in it. He's going to expose your sin to bring you to the glory of the gospel of Christ. It's all going to come back to Jesus. Like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit is bringing you back to Jesus. But sometimes in order to bring you to Jesus, he's got to, he's got to put the light on your sin. Look at John 16, 7. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 7, 8, 9. Um, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the rule of this world has come. The Spirit is going to convict you of your sin. Okay, now, please don't confuse conviction with condemnation. Okay? Those are both going to happen in your life. One is from the Holy Spirit, one is from the devil. Okay? Have you, let me ask you this. Have you been able to distinguish those two in your life? Conviction, condemnation. Okay? Now, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit's going to expose your sin. He's going to reveal your sin, and then he's, he's going to point you to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He, it, it's almost like he's giving you a path. He's like, hey, you're here. And this is misery, and this is unbelief, and this is wrong, and your heart is bitter, and you're unforgiving, and you've got anger, and you've got lust, and you've got greed, and you've got selfishness, and that's going to lead to death. Get out of there. And he's going to spotlight the pathway to Jesus. And he's going to spotlight the sufficiency of Jesus to completely forgive and cover your sin, and he's going to draw you to this better, glorious life in Christ. He's going to bring you out of that. Okay, he's going, to, he's going to bring you to joy. He's going to point you to sin. He's going to exalt Jesus, the sin bearer. Okay, now, condemnation is something different. Condemnation is when the devil and the world tell you that, man, you've messed up again. <laughs> you are worthless. Like, why, why would God even want you? Why, you, you? You have no business even being in the church, even being a Christian. Man, you've blown it again. How many times are you going to blow it? Like, God is sick of you. He's, he's sick of your stuff. Just, just go away. That's condemnation. Right? Anybody ever feel that? There's no help. There's no hope for you. Okay, now. Paul does a great job in 2 Corinthians 7 with this. He kind of he he spotlights godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. And, and we don't have time to go through this whole passage, but in verse 8 through 10, he says, For even if, if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I, do, I did regret it. For, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved in repenting. For you felt a godly grief, 
that you, so that you suffer no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You see, he, he describes the difference between conviction, a, a godly grief, oh man, I, I'm in sin, and sin always leads to misery. And I've sinned against my wife, or I've sinned against my husband, or I've sinned against my children, and, and that, that leads to misery, and I don't want to be there. And, and, and godly grief turns you around, and it gives you this momentum. He talks about that later in chapter 7, this zeal to get to Jesus, and to make that right, and to be done with sin, and to see that Jesus is a better way, and he's better than sin, and I don't want it anymore. That, that, that's a godly, that's a godly grief. That, that brings you right to the sufficiency of Jesus and tells you the truth about sin and about Christ. And then exalts Jesus to completely forgive and give you his righteousness. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus as the source of life, not sin. The Holy Spirit will glorify the truth of Jesus about sin. The Holy Spirit will glorify the truth of Jesus about repentance and about forgiveness and about righteousness and about love and about justification. I, I always worry whenever I've got somebody and they come to me and, and they're real tore up about their sin. I'm like, okay, did you repent? Yes, I repented. Did, did you confess this to God? Yes, I did. Do you believe the gospel? Yes, I do. But I still feel condemned. Okay, there's something wrong there. Okay, because the Holy Spirit, he's not doing that. The Holy Spirit's leading you to the sufficiency of Christ saying, this is completely enough. Come to him. You, when you come, you're going to feel his love. You're, you're going to love him more, and you're not going to want anything to do with sin. And you're going to rejoice that you're free. You're going to believe the gospel. I'm risking a lot here. About a year ago, I used a princess bride um, illustration, and like nobody understood it, and it was, it was terrible. Several people watched the movie, and they're like, ah, that was all right. But I think it's a great movie. It, Michelle thinks it's a great movie. And, and there's this dream that, that Buttercup has. Do you remember this, Michelle? I'll just talk to Michelle. Y'all do what you want. There's this dream that Buttercup has, you know. And in the dream, like, there's just this condemnation. What do they say? Like, boo, boo, yeah, just boo on you. You know, you're, you're horrible. You know, you're condemned, boo. You know, and just, just condemn, condemnation, condemnation. She actually wants to kill herself afterward, doesn't she? Uh, yeah. Like, that's what, that's what a lot of people think is the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to show you the rottenness of your sin. He's going to put the spotlight on Jesus and say, get there as fast as you can. And once you're there, man, believe the truth about sin and believe the truth about Jesus and believe the truth about the gospel. Now go forward with great energy. Like, you, you know when somebody's been there. Because they don't, they don't like mope around, you know. It's like, well, I went to the cross. Jesus forgave me. Man, they're like, man. Huh? Full bore. Huh? What can I do to serve? What can I do to love you? What can I do to serve my king? How can I go? How can I bust it out for the kingdom? Because they've been to the cross. I, I love in Psalm 32, man, nobody messed it up bigger than David. Commits adultery with Bathsheba. And man, listen to his, listen to the Holy Spirit's work in his life. Psalm 32, 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. The Holy Spirit is convicting him of his sin. Okay, but he's turning him back to God. 
Next verse, verse, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And go down and look how the, how the, 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 the psalm ends. Verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Man, like where, where does his, his trip to the, to the cross, if you will, where does it end? It ends with him, David, literally shouting for joy at what God has done. The work of the Spirit leads you to realize the love of God and forgiving our sin and restoring us to himself. And the more we know of his love, the more we love him and the more we want to keep his commandments. And the less we believe, the lie of sin. And this is how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. This is how Romans 8, 13 talks about us putting to death the deeds of our flesh. This is how this happens. Okay? Now here, we don't have much time. We're actually out of time. But friends, have you, let me ask you this, have you invited the work of the Holy Spirit into your life? Okay? Now, have, are you, in other words, are you paying attention to the work of the Spirit? Are, are, you, are you filling your mind, are you saturating your mind with the Scriptures, with, with the Bible, with the words of the Spirit? Okay, in Colossians 3, we have a parallel passage to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay? So, so I'm asking you, are you desiring the work of the Spirit? Are you expecting the work of the Spirit? Are you watching for it? Are you listening for it? There's this great, great phrase in Galatians. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, I like to take walks. You like to take walks? I like to take walks. I like to take walks with people. It's one of the great ways that I, I find that I can connect with my family. Uh, Addie likes to go late at night, not my time, but like I, I take off my slippers, put on my shoes, and I try to go anyway. I just want to connect with her. It's when we talk, Okay. But surprising thing about Addie, she's a fast walker. Like she's all, it's all I can do like to walk as fast as she can. I got to keep in step, okay? When you keep in step with one, somebody, what are you doing? You're, 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 you're matching their speed, direction, pace, right? You're, you're interacting. You're, you're going the way they go. You're turning when they turn. You speed up when they speed up. You slow down when they slow down. You, you're, you're, you're matching their pace. That, that's what he says about the spirit. Like, are, are you step-by-step step with the Spirit? Or do you get up in the morning, go your way until the wheels fall off of your bus, and then you're like, where's he at? Where'd he go? I ain't seen him since this morning. I gotta go find the Spirit. Okay, what you ought to be doing is walking with the Spirit, keeping in step with Him. Like, step-by-step. And, and listen, when the trials and pressures and struggles of life come, well, who do you have? You got your helper, right? You have your helper. And, and, and so interact with the Spirit. Inter, interact with Him. Call Him to your side in prayer. Incline your ear to Him. Open His Word. Hear His voice. Or do you do what a lot of believers do? Babies are crying. Everybody's sick. Schedule's crazy. And you're like, I just don't have time for God right now. Man, let, I got to go. I got to go solve this stuff, then I'll get back to you. 
Man, that's really dumb, isn't it? He's our helper. Like, you, you need to be step by step with him. You need to take him with you into the babies and into the teenage rebellion and into the work problems and into the finance. And you need to be listening to him and climbing your ear. He's pointing you to Jesus the whole time. That's what's going to fix you. That's, gonna, that's what's going to empower you to be able to be sanctified and, and for all those trials to actually produce treasure in your life. And that's what you need. That's what I need. Let's walk with the Spirit today. Okay? Father in heaven, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we want to we walk step by step with you today. Um, Holy Spirit, we want to hear your voice. We, we incline our ear to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we, we want you to show us more of Jesus. Show us more of the love of Christ. Show us more of the beauty of the gospel. Show us more of your great redemption. Father in heaven, please help us to listen. Help us to respond in obedience. Thank you for the, the work of the cross that, that we can be cleansed and we can be forgiven and we can be restored and we can, we can come, come back with great joy. Father, thank you for that. Holy Spirit, work in our lives. Speak to us now. God, we want to be obedient. Lord, Holy Spirit, if you tell us to forgive, we want to forgive this morning. If you tell us to make things right, we want to make it right this morning. If you tell us to, to pull away from something, to turn away from something, to stop something, God, Holy Spirit, we want to do that because we trust you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.